0: Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, whatever time you are tuning in. Welcome to Homesteading and Gardening in the Suburbs. I'm Emma from Mystic Gardening and today I want to help you get on track for fall. And I know that if you're in a short season area, you are just wrapping up transplanting or you're working on getting your seeds out before midsummer rolls around. Maybe you're trying to trellis your tomatoes or enjoying your first harvest. I know right now, like along with putting on my Factor 50, my biggest sun hat and a whole lot of bug spray, I'm busy breaking new ground, clearing weeds and getting seeds planted as soon as possible. I literally finished transplanting tomatoes on Friday and I planted like 120 tomato plants and I know that's a lot and you're probably thinking Emma you are crazy. Um, But I know that a lot um is not going to make it right i'm growing 50 varieties of heirlooms um heirloom tomatoes specifically and i know i've mentioned this before on the podcast i really don't expect all of them to grow i've seen at least five die off already just from the first set of transplanting and they still have the tomato hornworm and blight to come so i'm guessing that most things are not going to make it and the first year of gardening is always the hardest, even as a seasoned gardener, right? The first year in a new place is going to be harder, right? A new garden's hard because you're trying to figure out what grows and what doesn't, right? I've, you know, got very accustomed to how things grow in the southwest um, for a little bit. I've kind of forgotten what uh, you know sort of harsher winter is and the shorter growing season right so i'm having to figure all that out what grows what doesn't right um you know there's meant to be some rain next week so that is going to help my seeds germinate so i'm trying to do you know my hardest in getting out as many seeds and things as possible um, to really you know make the use of of the weather here right and i'll admit going land race and relying on the weather has me very nervous right this you know the whole point of us kind of moving to a bigger property and things was to you know really live off the land and become more self-sufficient and rely from the food that we're generating from our homestead right and i'm kind of nervous about that right i don't have irrigation down at my my garden right It used to be all pasture back there and you know there's no you know, watering or anything. If I want water from my property, I've got to fill it up from, you know, a spigot that's at the front of the house and then hike it all the way down to the bottom of um, the field, right? That's quite a, a way. And I don't want to be using, you know, too much water because, you know, I'm having to carry like a five gallon, you know, jerry can each time that I'm, I'm going down there or, you know, one in each hand if I'm feeling really fit. Um, although whilst it's good exercise to be doing that, you know, I'm a little concerned concerned about the amount of pressure that that's then you know putting on my you know um, water filtration system because we've had to get a, a whole house filtration system because, you know, the the well water had, you know, high levels of, um, you know, various heavy metals and things in there that I was concerned about. So um, we decided to go with a whole house system. But that's another story for another day on things that I've learned from um, buying an older property and a homestead. But, you know, realistically, moving to a, a land race garden, right, we've talked about it before, where, You know, we're really relying on the plants themselves, having that genetic diversity to overcome what the weather is doing or what the pests and diseases are doing, right, and being able to thrive. Of course, when doing that, you know, number one, you need to, you know, have a few more, you know, plants available to account for, you know, the obvious crop loss that is going to happen. But also if you're relying on that food to be feeding you and your family from a self-sufficiency perspective that can start to get a little nerve-wracking because you're really not sure what is going to be coming up and you know i i will say you know there's plenty of heirlooms that i have sown and have not come up yet like my pumpkins and squashes nada like you know or maybe they came up and got eaten right either way um there's some obvious thrivers in the garden so far like my land race leak breeding project definite thriver has done incredibly well um some of the onions have also done very well like i was quite surprised at how well um my uh Alyssa Craig onions have been doing. They've done exceptionally well so far. Uh, potatoes done really well and mustards. Um, umpqua broccoli, despite it being eaten by the deer in the plastic milk jug. Um, so I did a lot of winter sowing this year and broccoli and some cabbages were one of them. Well, when it got warm enough, like I opened up the, the milk jug and I took them down off the back deck down to where I was going to be planting them out. So when I, you know, finished work and stuff, I could go straight down to the back of the garden. I could get some things planted and then, you know, come back in the house and have, have tea and whatnot, or, dinner um I guess and um I went down one day to discover the the deer had eaten the tops off everything um so obviously it was delicious for the deer and um rather than you know just kind of dumping them all into the compost bin I decided to plant them out among the onions and I'm glad that I did because they now have a flush new set of leaves and are growing well um you Know and I've also found the first set of seedlings come up from carrots and it's from my home saved carrot seed, so seeds that I'd saved when I was back in Utah. I've you know sown out and I've also sown various other you know heirloom varieties of carrots and things out. I think we've got probably 10 different varieties of carrots that I'm um sowing out, and by far the seed that I have saved myself. Um, even if it's you know varieties that I you know bought relatively recently, you know within the last sort of year or so. Um all the seeds that I've saved myself have been, you know, coming up a lot quicker than the store bought seeds. So my carrot seeds were from like 2017, 2018. And they've come up quicker than seed from 2020. So um, that was kind of kind of interesting. So there is there is some hope that, you know, some things are hopefully going to do um, well. But also, you know, there's there's been various things that have kind of happened. So as I was out, um, sowing seeds and things. You know, I often have, I don't know if you guys do this too, so I'll have a jacket on because, you know, it's Maine and (laughs) sometimes the weather's a little dicey. So I've got all the pockets full of, you know, seed packets that I'm, you know, out sewing on an evening after, after work. And, um, do you do this like you roll over the seed packet when you're done? Um, I, I used to be really good and I would put a paper clip on it to stop, you know them unraveling and i wish i'd done it this time and i i hadn't um well my favorite major dunn uh or major dune um although i always think of brigadoon which was a tv show um but anyway major dune rutabaga uh, also known as swede or neeps um the entire packet fell into my jacket pocket Um, and was kind of randomly mixed with some other seeds that had also fallen out into my pocket. So I ended up sowing all of those um, because I didn't want them sitting around in my my jacket. Um, And I now have this really thick row of seedlings that have germinated. Um, So I'm hoping that I can carefully transplant some of those into another part of the garden, Um, but I might have to get some um, more seed relatively quickly for fall because rutabagas are a classic fall crop but they need a good 90 days before that first fall frost to grow. Same with my hubbies much requested and sometimes forgotten Brussels sprouts. Um, Those need to be started you know definitely right now and to have enough time to mature before fall and that brings me to what I want to talk about in this episode because I don't want you to miss out on having a productive fall garden this year either. Now I have a couple of garden beds that I have set aside specifically for fall. Right now I've sowed some uh, old buckwheat seed there as a green manure to help smother the weeds since I don't have any mulch right now, so I'm relying quite heavily on getting things weeded and getting things planted to try and reduce the amount of weeding that I have to do. Now that's not necessarily worked very well um, in some of the garden beds because the weeds have just been pretty tenacious because I'm breaking you know what was pasture. So as soon as you're kind of turning over the soil like all of these you know weed seeds that have been sitting there dormant for decades have now kind of all sprouted and I've got some pretty tenacious um, weeds like Asiatic bittersweet vine is horrible and it is all over um the the pasture that i'm turning into my garden so um that's that's been quite quite a challenge but right now i've finally found um my green manure seeds that i had and these are pretty old um some of them are from sort of 2015 so they're they're kind of old seeds um so i'm sowing a bunch of it down to you know hopefully have some things that are going to germinate and that should help not only build the soil structure because i can turn things under but it'll also help um, smother out weeds now you know that's really the first job is figuring out where your full garden is going to go on your plot because it will need planting up soon and you might be thinking well emma that's great i don't have acreage like you uh, i've got my garden totally planted up and there's no room um so i want to say i hear you i've been there and um i've got a couple of options that i've done too so Um, I don't know if you're growing garlic um, in a bed. Uh, I I grew a lot of garlic um, in Utah. In fact, I had a couple of beds dedicated just to garlic. um, And there was a couple of reasons for that. Number one, really like garlic. Two, keep the vampires away. And three, um, it also meant that it was planted up. So I had somewhere to actually plant things in for fall. um, Because, you know, when I was in Utah in my Zone 7 garden, I harvested garlic on the 4th of July weekend and I I did it that weekend. Partly because it was easy for me to remember, it was a long weekend that we had off, and you know it was kind of nice for us to be, you know, going out and um you know harvesting garlic, and then we could be getting things in ready for fall. So I basically would pull the garlic and lettuce that I was growing in there because I tended to grow them both together, um, and I would add some compost and then use that space for fall gar- gardening and for planting. Um, I often have um, a bed that is just. Sat- Salads too, and what I would do there was I would pull a number of lettuces out to make room for transplants for fall. Um, so things like those lettuces that were flowering too early, or those um, that were ready to harvest because they were a cos or a romaine type of lettuce. Um, sure, it meant a few days of salads, which in the middle of summer, you know, was pretty welcome. It wasn't, you know totally hated by my family at least i hope it wasn't um, i guess they always paired things um off the grill with a salad so that made it a little bit more bearable for for them um but that's that's one way so i wasn't ripping out everything in the garden bed like i did with the garlic um but i was able to kind of free up space to be putting in sort of you know slower growing transplants right um i've also planted so much in my garden that there was no room for fall uh, hands up if you've been guilty of this, right? Like I know a lot of us do it. Um, so what I used to do, uh, was I would add things like Swiss chard, cabbages, and kale to flower borders, or I would grow mustards and carrots and turnips in containers. Actually, Patio containers are pretty handy for fall gardening. Um, You can easily sow radishes, peas, spring onions or scallions or green onions, whatever you call them, Um, lettuces, spinach, carrots, even collards um, in containers. And for carrots, you know, if you grow those stumpy kind that don't grow too long, like um, uh, Parisienne or Chatonnay is it Chardonnay or is it Chardonnay? No, Chardonnay is wine. Chardonnay, I think they're called. Um, they're like a, a pointy kind of carrot, but they're kind of small. Um, I would definitely see them around Thanksgiving or um, the winter holidays. Like they would often be like those really posh carrots and things that would appear in the grocery store, um, you know, in December. But they're pretty easy to, to grow yourself and they grow really well in um containers so you know you can get the fancy carrots without the hefty price tag that you would pay in the grocery store so th- those those do great in a container or even in an old grow bag or bags of potting soil um and my dad grew lettuce in a old potting soil bag that had maybe a quarter of the bag of soil left that he just kind of found um, whilst he was tidying out the garage or garage um you know, he, he found that and all he did was he just kind of rolled down the ends of the bag. So, you know, it had like a little rolled lip, sowed some lettuce seeds in there and kept it moist. And after he'd harvested the lettuce, he was a, he just spread the soil around the garden genius right um but if you have bigger containers or buckets that are not really being used for anything um then maybe you can grow a a broccoli plant or a cabbage plant or a collard plant or something uh, you know one transplant in a large container and move to something like that i've seen lots of people who have these you know container gardens that are you know five gallon buckets and things And they grow incredibly well as long as they're able to, you know, keep the soil moist, which obviously during summer that can be a little tricky as the heat ramps up and, you know, feed them. You know on a on a regular basis even an organic you know liquid feed or adding mulch and things like that you can do all of those things with a container garden and you know that's that's how I often did a full garden before I learned the the trick with the garlic and you know had that nailed down after um, growing for a couple of seasons um, but you know container gardening was great and that was a, a really easy way to you know be able to extend that growing into the fall and of course the added benefit of it being in a container is you can easily move it to somewhere that's more sheltered and protected it when the frosts come. So that's that's your first job, right? Is to where are you going to be putting your fall garden? Like what's going to work for the space that you have and the garden that you already have in? The second job is to figure out when to start your seeds and transplants for your plants for a successful fall garden. Because you want your vegetables to be big enough to harvest come the frosts. So I go to my spreadsheet. I'm a spreadsheet nerd. I know I keep talking about the Um, But what I do is I go to the spreadsheet and I'm looking for my late sowing date because that's you know the last date that I can sow things for my climate and you know many seed packets have the information like transplant 13 weeks before um frost in fall or sow 6 weeks before the first fall frost and that's where I got my information for the spreadsheet that I was making right so what you want to do is you want to find out when your first frost date is your average first frost date in fall so for me that is the 27th of september and all we're going to do is we're going to count back six weeks 13 weeks or however many weeks it is or however many days and that would be when we need to transplant or sow the plant so let's roll an example so 13 weeks So that would be the last week of June for my Savoy cabbages. So that would mean that I would need to be transplanting my Savoy cabbage seedlings the last week of June. So that would mean for me to be sowing seeds that were going to be big enough for transplant would need to be about four weeks before that. So I would need to be starting my seeds for Savoy cabbages late May, early June to be able to meet that timing so it takes a little bit of planning right beets on the other hand are one of those plants that need to be sown directly in the ground so for fall you would want to be sowing those bad boys 10 to 12 weeks before your first frost so for me the last week of june that's going to work out if i've got an average last uh, average first frost sorry of 27th of september so the last week of june through to the second week of july i need to be sowing my beets great because that's about where we are right now right i need to be thinking of these things to get them in the ground and if i can sow a row or two of beets every week then i should have plenty for fall for leaves either you know in salads or for braising and you know the roots to roast and eat later on Let's do another example. Let's take six weeks before the first frost. So again, my average first frost is the 27th of September. And that's an average, right? It could be earlier, it could be later. Um, so six weeks before that would mean the week of the 15th of August. So I'll need to be transplanting Romanesco broccoli in the cauliflowers by... Um, the week of the 15th of August sorry my brain just kind of gave out on me (laughs) there's a lot of dates floating around my brain right now and so if I'm transplanting the week of the 15th I need to be starting the seeds of that variety at least four weeks before that so the week of July 15th I would need to be starting those seeds now for a lot of them you know you can start the seeds indoors again if you've got you know a setup that allows for that although I did see somebody on the Facebook group did mention about sewing those outside in milk jugs and I think that's that's a genius thing to try just you might want to keep them out of direct sun so they don't you know totally bake in there but if you're running out of space and you're wanting to get things started for fall then definitely give give that a try i know some gardeners would have what's known as like a nursery bed where they would you know sow seeds and things ready for transplanting um so they would sow things in this nursery bed and then once they got big enough they would you know lift them out and transplant them into other areas of the garden um for things like your brassicas you definitely want if you're starting them outside you don't want them to be in you know a lot of the you know summer sun because it's going to turn them bitter and it's going to stress them out um, and you're not necessarily going to get a good harvest so somewhere that's probably semi-shaded not a lot of sun is going to or you know not a lot of direct sun i should say um so avoiding that middle of the day where it's you know super hot is going to be a good bet um but again a lot of people start them indoors because then you don't necessarily have to stress out trying to figure out where that's going to be you can just start seedlings indoors like you have with some of the other things and then transplant out um when they get big enough Let's talk about peas because peas are usually sown four to six weeks before the last frost in spring. Um, But you can sow them around 60 days before your first fall frost for a crop in fall. So if you missed out on planting peas this spring, then you definitely have time to give it another go. So for me, that's the last week of July. So you can see I'm going to be quite busy this summer. Um, Carrots for fall. Um, you want to be sowing those about 75 days before the first hard frost is expected. So northern or short season gardeners, um, here's, here's a tip for you. You could try sowing the seeds about three or four weeks before your first frost in fall and then cover the area with something like a fro- floating row cover or you know lots of straw mulch or even both, right? And um, what's going to happen is the carrots, you know, should germinate in that time, but they'll just kind of stay put for the winter months and stop growing. And the mulch is going to protect them from being killed by those winter temperatures. And obviously, if you're in a, a much northern area than, than I'm in, or an even colder area, then you definitely want to be doing deep mulch, like a lot of mulch to really protect them. Um, but they basically kind of, you know, stop growing and kind of, you know, into sort of stasis really um you know they they don't do much they just kind of stop growing and stay there and when spring a- arrives you want to remove that row cover and mulch and you should have some really early sugary sweet carrots um, that you can then harvest. Um, you could also use this mulch technique to protect plants that you want to save seeds from. and um, those that need that colder temperatures of winter, also known as vernalization, and this triggers the flowering. And the seeds for the next year so this is things that are biennial so think carrots onions parsnips cabbage kale leeks cauliflower broccoli mustard pak choy or bok choy beets and spinach are just to name a few hey I had to squeeze in seed saving tips somewhere in this episode okay it wouldn't be an episode where i didn't talk about you know land race or seed saving because again these are things that you can do even if you have a smaller garden and if you're wanting to have that self-sufficient garden you know why not feed yourself with you know seeds from your own property too and really you know have that holistic self-sufficient type of garden that you're looking for because you really can do it um and you know if you're growing in containers and stuff you can just move those containers into into somewhere that's sheltered maybe a basement or into the garage to protect them from you know the the really cold temperatures and then move them out early spring um i've seen that be done number of times even people in the more northern um counties here in maine they'll dig up you know some of these crops that need that vernalization they'll dig them up they'll kind of store them in damp sand or in peat and stuff like that um coconut coir something like that where you know it's not necessarily going to be full of nutrients but it wants to be damped so they don't kind of dry out and shrivel and sort of keep them away from you know the harshest of the winter temperatures and then really early spring as soon as that ground's able to be worked you're getting those plants into the ground so they can get established and then you've got a seed crop for later on in the the year which is great because you don't need a lot of plants to produce a lot of seed and that will keep you going for a number of seasons Um, and is especially uh, valuable if you're looking to grow your own varieties or develop that land race. All right I've digressed enough so let's talk about some quick growing crops or fast growing veggies and varieties because there are definitely you know other things that you can do to squeeze a few more harvests in so cherry bell radishes for example can be harvested in as little as 25 days and there's lots of nutrient-packed asian greens like mitsuna which is ready for harvest in 21 days Um, certain varieties of pak choi can be ready in about 45 to 50 days Many mustards that are ready in about 25 days for baby leaves and 55 days for bigger stir-fry or braising greens. I love mustards, absolutely love mustards. And they're one of the crops that the slugs haven't completely ravaged, so I really like mustards now. Um, You know, and they're a fast-growing vegetable too um, for fall. Um, there's also some varieties of turnips, right? Tokyo Market is one that comes to mind and that's super fast to grow in around 30 days for harvest. Um, kale can be ready in less than 30 days if you opt for something like dinosaur kale or uh, lactinato or lacinato um, or Russian uh, red Russian varieties. Those can be ready in less than 30 days for baby leaf salads or about 50 days for bigger leaves, right? The good rule of thumb for short, season gardeners and is you want to be transplanting your fall brassicas around the end of june through july and keep sowing faster growing veggies to the end of august now if you're in you know a hotter climate like many of you listening from the southern states you know you've got that long mild winter where you're able to grow lots and lots of veggies with minimal coverage right you're not having to worry so much about snow and things so you know you're able to be getting in things like brussels sprouts and collards and you know all of these you know wonderful winter greens and you know they'll grow quite happily through those colder months for you know a, a harvest that you can you know go out into the garden and harvest which is great I'm very jealous of, of those um, but it's got some really good advantages because you've got that longer growing season you can really start to hone in and plan getting your plants out um without them being stressed out by the summer sun um so you know you've got that option of a little bit longer window of being able to get out some of your fall plants so whereas whereas i'm trying to be getting things out you know sort of june july um you know you're able to be looking at getting things out from you know July or August or even through to September so you've got some time to be figuring out what is going to be working well for your garden depending on where you are. Now when you're growing food to feed yourself and your family to be self-sufficient planning is very very important right and taking time to plan your garden helps things go a bit more smoothly when you're super busy with planting already and if you don't have a seed starting plan, I would definitely recommend sitting down this winter to create one. Um, maybe that's the video I should put on YouTube. Like, Let me know in the Facebook group if that would be a helpful video because I will create a, you know, Seed starting schedule from scratch and video it so you guys can create your own. Um, it probably would not be an easy podcast to listen to for sure unless you really like spreadsheets. Um, but definitely let me know in the Facebook group if that would be one. But you know, I I live and breathe by um, my seed starting schedule, my seed starting plan, and it has really helped me, um, you know, get a better handle on what I'm growing when I'm growing and be able to kind of plan things in more effectively because it's not easy trying to be self-sufficient and grow your own food and stuff while you're juggling you know a full-time job whilst I don't have kids and things you know there's other stuff that you know I want to be doing right you know this date night and stuff like that you know maybe you want to take a trip to the cinema or something right go catch a movie or you know spend some time you know with friends or you know going for a hike with the the dogs whatever it is right you know if you've got kids then you know you've probably got a ton of after school activities that you're trying to manage on top of working and going grocery shopping and all the other things right but having a a schedule and knowing like this is what i'm going to be planting and when and you know whether you're setting up reminders on your phone or you've got you know a calendar and you've got things written out like hey this week i need to be starting you know my turnips or this week i need to be starting my rutabagas and oh oh i need to get my beets out right all of that really helps to you know keep on track of these are things that need to be going out right so I don't forget that because that's why we're gardening right we're, we're growing our own food to feed ourselves and honestly having a plan has been that number one thing that has helped me grow better and manage my time better when it comes to what needs to be done in the garden. So I hope you found this episode helpful and until next time I hope your garden grows beautifully and I will see you all next week.